What's up, everybody? My name is Dustin Rubio, part of the Limitless Leadership Team and youth pastor at City Church Swansea. And this is the Limitless Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help youth leaders connect, think, and grow. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dustin Rubio, and first of all, apologies for the hiatus. We've been we've been having a couple months off in uh in releasing some episodes because we've been recording, we've been rebranding, and we are coming out hot already this month. We have uh, a conversation that I have with Helen Cutridge. Helen works for Youthscape. In the conversation, she she kind of touches on some of the other. Uh, her experience and other things she's done, so I won't get into that. But uh, this was done off my iPhone, so just so you know with the quality of the audio, so big ups to modern technology. And this was in Manchester at the gathering, so this was done in October time. So, uh, yeah, so hope you enjoy it. It's really good. You might need to grab some uh, some paper and a pen or get your notes out on your phone so you can jot down some thoughts because uh, this is 20 minutes of jam-packed, awesome seminar material. So I hope you enjoy it. And this is Helen Cutteridge. <laughs> <laughs> just just about like you're all awesome too. So yes, thank you. Love. <laughs> yes. All right. Do. Hey. This is just a reminder, the Youth Leaders Seminar is about to start in the main arena. That's the Youth Leaders Seminar is about to start in the main arena. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. I'm Dustin Rubio, and I'm here with Helen Cutteridge. Yep. Why don't you tell us a little bit about just who you are, uh, your experience, and, and what you're doing now? Great. Uh, so I uh, work for a charity called Youthscape where I've been there since January, and I'm their emotional well-being and self-harm worker. Uh, I also work in partnership with Self-Harm UK, which is another charity that comes under the Youthscape umbrella, and I deliver training around self-harm across the UK. I've been doing that for the last two and a half, three years. So I was doing that before I did this current job. Uh, and I do this because I'm a youth worker. I've been doing youth work since I was 16, so that's 12 years. <laughs> Wow. That's a long time. I look like I'm 21, so that's the win. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a youth worker, and I work with young people because I uh, am really, I'm really passionate about mental health, and I think more and more young people are struggling with mental health, so I want to do something about that. And I think, I think the spiritual and the mental go together. I think, yeah, God's just called me to use that experience that I have, those, the story that I have to help young people with their own mental health and to talk about Jesus at the same time. Mm. So, yeah, and I guess the other thing to say is that I myself have a mental health condition, I'm bipolar, so that for me is the biggest influence on what I do. So I've been ill since I was 12, and yeah, that just kind of influences everything and mm. means that I've experienced the fullness that Christ brings with mental health conditions. Yeah. So, so what is mental health? Mental health is, is a, an umbrella term, and it simply it's talking about the state of our our emotional well-being, our our brain, essentially how we deal with things. So, so it's have. not it's not necessarily a, a when somebody says mental health, it's a negative. It's it's a, it's an umbrella, so it's positive negative. Yeah, it's positive. You can have good mental health, which means you have great resilience. You're able to recognize when you're sad or when you're happy and deal with those things effectively. So good mental health is you know something that happens. And but when we think of mental health, we normally think of poor mental health. So those with conditions like bipolar or anxiety or depression or schizophrenia or whatever it is. So but actually. 
it's just that umbrella term that covers both the good and the bad. Yeah. So you just said a little bit of, of poor mental health, but if we can unpack that a little bit more, what is specifically uh, um, just some of the different things to do with poor mental health? The poor mental health is the, I guess, the struggle to deal with everyday situations, to deal with life and to deal with those emotions in a healthy way. So it could be through depressions, which is actually more likely the absence of emotion as opposed to too much emotion, or it could be anxiety, it could be uh, an eating disorder, especially for young people, self-harm could come under that. Um, like I said, it's bipolar, borderline personality disorder. It's a number of conditions, but also you can not have any of those conditions and just have poor mental health and in a or struggle to deal with situations healthily. Hmm. Yeah. So cause we're, we're, we're talking here now to youth workers. So what can youth workers do to help support young people who are struggling with, with poor mental health? I think youth workers are the most incredible position to help young people. So I have a professional mentor who's a psychologist and she's really jealous that I get to hang out with young people <laughs> in just like the most laid-back situations. Like, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a social worker, I'm not a yeah. Worker. And then people, most of them who are struggling with mental health hate CAMS workers, they hate social services, they're just like it's a bunch of adults that don't listen. Mm. And we get to be the people who just hang out with them. Mm. And to just be there for a young person is the most important thing that we think we can do as a youth worker. But also not be afraid to talk about the difficult situations, not be afraid to talk about you're feeling really crap you're feeling really low, like, what is that? And to journey with people through that, to look at the Bible, look at those people like David who struggled quite severely with depression and was mm. all over the place, and to really dig deep with our young people and say, I'm going to journey through this with you. And to not be afraid to talk about it, to not, at the moment the young person says, I self-harm, not go running for the hills, but go, okay, we can, we can find something in this, we can do something with this. I think it's so important for, young, for youth workers to do for their young people. And also just provide a safe space for them to process what's going on or just to have fun. Like, young people just sometimes want to have fun. So what would youth who are, who are struggling, um, depression, anxiety, things like that, what would you say they want youth workers to know? I think more than anything, they want youth workers to know that all they really want to do is be heard. So as I mentioned, my, my mentor finds it really difficult um, working with other services and young people really struggle because we, young people don't feel listened to. They go to a CAM session and the psychologist or, or mental health nurse will sit there and say, you've got this this is what you need to do or this is what I think. They don't hear what the young people said and actually earlier at the stand three girls came up and spoke to me and they all just ranted about cams going, they don't listen to me, they don't care about me, they just said this and actually I'm just a bit different and that's okay and so young people have this reaction like oh, I don't like these people, I don't like these people and what they just want is someone to listen. I think they just want their youth workers to go tell me I'm not going to try and fix you, not necessarily going to give you the answers, I'm just going to listen. Hmm. And then that dynamic changes, they're like, you're someone I can respect, you're someone I can work with. Okay, now that I've told you, can you help me? And that, I think, changes everything for young people, I think. That's what they want these workers to know, they just want to be heard. And they want people who aren't afraid to talk about those 
those scary situations, the number one issue young people want to talk about, Christian young people want to talk about, is mental health. And they want youth workers who are not afraid to have those discussions. In a culture that we are in, in, in today, we have a culture where people are, um, I don't know if afraid, but they just do not want to deal with extreme emotions. Um, and uh, how do we, yeah, how, how do we engage with, with, with young people in a society where that's we, we just don't want to deal with that and maybe there's young people who, who feel this way and would know that, yeah, they don't want to deal with my mess. They don't want to deal with, with you know, with all this stuff. So how, how do we engage with uh, with them? And Our culture really struggles, especially the British culture, really struggles with, yeah, those extreme emotions. We're scared of anger. We're scared of joy. We're scared of grief and sadness. We're almost a little bit scared of love and those extreme extreme emotions so it's kind of like ah how do we respond to that and part of that is nobody taught us how to feel those emotions so I whenever I deliver training I go around the room and I ask who was taught how to be angry and everyone just looks at me blankly they're like why would I need to be taught like and then there's this moment of going oh right we should be talking to our young people about how to be angry of course we should, because if you don't know how to deal with anger in a healthy way, then you're going to deal with it in an unhealthy way. And that's when you get young people getting in fights and smashing windows and you know, risky behaviour, self-harming, because they don't know how to deal with an extreme emotion because nobody taught them. And so, and that's the culture our young people are living in, where it was just like, don't talk about it, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. And so we need to not be afraid. So the first thing we need to do as youth workers is understand how we respond to all of those emotions what do we do when we're angry what do we do when we're happy what does that feel like to recognize those emotions and so for me as someone with bipolar I have to notice the difference between being manic and being happy Hmm. and those are two different things that I have to like which one is good which one's bad which one's a worry and now I know because I just sit there and go okay this is this is how I can tell and I can tell when I'm angry now and I can tell when I'm sad and because I have that own awareness in myself, I can talk to my young people about it and say, what do you do when you're angry? What does it feel like in your body when you're angry? What is your head saying? What do you want to do? What are your fingers doing? What are your hands doing? What is your response? And if we start recognising that, we start doing something about it. We can do anger management classes. We can do sessions on grief and on loneliness. If we talk about these things, recognise that they're healthy emotions to feel. Jesus felt anger, Jesus felt grief, Jesus felt love, Jesus felt joy. They're healthy and they're good emotions and if we can recognise that and we can help people express those, then actually we're finding people who are better equipped to deal with those emotions. So when they lose a friend or when they're bullied at school, they recognise that grief and the loneliness and the sadness and they remember what their youth worker said helped them or has helped other people and they go, okay, instead of hurting myself or doing this risky behaviour or getting in a fight or cutting everyone else off what I'm actually do is I'm going to write a poem or I'm going to sing a song or I'm going to take up knitting or baking or join a book club you know they're going to find something because suddenly it's like I recognise what an emotion looks like and these are some healthy ways of dealing with that emotion this is a new coping strategy and I think that's the first thing that we can do as youth workers I, I think schools I think primary schools should be talking about emotional language but they're not so I think youth workers should be talking mm. about emotional language which should be recognising that it's okay to feel these emotions Jesus felt these emotions so it's it's human 
to feel these emotions and then how do we process them? How do we deal with them? Because the majority of things like anxiety or depression or self-harm is a struggle with not understanding emotion or what is going on. And it's not because I now understand my emotions it's going to go away, but because I understand my emotions I'm better equipped to cope with feeling like this. Mm. So often for self-harm there's different reasons why people self-harm, but one of them is uh, around anger and frustration. I don't know how to deal with being angry or frustrated or I don't know how to deal with grief or being in pain. Emotional pain doesn't make sense so I'm going to turn it physical pain because that's easy to manage as if it's physical so I'm going to hurt myself. But if you can deal with that root issue, if we can talk about what emotions are, we have young people less likely to turn to self-harm because they don't need to do that because they know healthier ways. We have young people who know what it feels like to be anxious and we can also talk to them about things that bring them life, that bring them joy, that bring them happiness, that bring them calm. When they're in those moments of anxiety, they can call on those things mm. and they can steady themselves and they can start to work through that. I don't think that's a magic, there's a magic answer. I don't think that's going to fix everything young people. I think counselling and medication and GPs are really good and helpful things. Yeah. But I think that emotional language is the first step on the journey yeah. and really countercultural, which is what Jesus was, so it's clearly a good thing. In what we're talking about now, what are some resources people can can uh, look online and, and, and try to connect with different people, follow different people on Twitter or whatever to feel a little bit better equipped? Well, obviously, a big fan of selfharm.co.uk. Uh, their website is genuinely amazing. They have a blog. They do a lot of stuff for parents and youth workers. They also deliver training around self-harm, and they do some stuff for young people. So I think they're definitely something to look into, both their blog and they're on Twitter. Um, I think they're definitely really... Really good. I also think charities like Young Minds and the NSBCC Childline, they're the ones doing all the research and the study into mental health. So they've got some interesting research and statistics and they're also 24-7, some of the young people was like, oh, you can talk to them. Um, Mind and Soul is a Christian charity out of Premier that, again, do, they do conferences around mental health. They're really interesting. As for Christian thinkers, Dr. Kate Middleton, not the princess, is a Christian psychologist who does a lot of talks. She has a specialism in eating disorders and self-harm. Really good person to kind of talk to. Will Vanderhart is a minute vicar who struggles with anxiety and, again, talks a lot of stuff around mental health. I occasionally do. You could follow me if you really wanted. Um, Ruth Ayres, who works for Self Harm UK, is really good. And then schoolswork.co.uk also have a program or resource around all sorts of issues, including self esteem and mental health and things like that. So, I mean, just off the top of my head, those are some really good ones yeah. that are really helpful. As youth workers, what do we do with when a young person who is struggling? Uh, poor mental health and they disclose something self-harming uh, eating disorder depression anxiety you know suicidal thoughts how would youth workers how should we um, you know respond if they don't panic I think often, especially with self-harm, we think, oh my goodness, they're going to kill themselves. This is the end of the world. Most self-harmers are not suicidal. It's a coping strategy. It's about surviving. It's about living life. I want to live. And so what they don't need you to go is, are you going to kill yourself? And what they need you to do is say, thank you for sharing with me. How can I help? What do you want to say? Let me listen to you. I think the first thing you can do is don't panic and just listen. Okay, so you're struggling with 
an eating disorder you're telling me that you know you don't want to eat and that you think you're you're fat all the time and and you know you just have this really poor body image okay I'm really sorry you feel that way let's let's talk about this I think we can also offer to pray not necessarily go God's going to miraculously heal you and this is going to be gone but God's going to stand with you in that and I think as Christian youth workers it's so great that we can pray I think we can look at the Bible and see those people and go okay there is encouragement in this I think make, encouraging them to go to the GP is one of the most important things. So most mental health services, you have to go through your GP. That's mm. the only way to get a referral. Occasionally schools can, so maybe encourage them to speak to a school counsellor or school nurse or pastoral team. But get them to speak to the GP. Say, I'm struggling. Start them on a referral process because I believe one of the ways God helps us is through the medical profession. Mm. It's through counselling, it's through medication, it's through kind of long-term support, community support. So I think encouraging them to do that, encouraging them to talk to their parents. Sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes it's the parents that are making things worse or it's because of something else going on at home. So that can be quite difficult. And I think if that's the case, talk to a safeguarding lead, talk to other youth workers, talk to someone and say, what do you think I should do with this information? I think it's definitely something to consider. I think risk assess it. Are they actually in danger of doing long-term permanent damage or are they suicidal if a young person is suicidal i always tell their parents um, and if they've taken something i'll take them to hospital because we have to keep them safe so definitely risk assess it what are the damages talk about keeping themselves safe so if they're going to cut themselves are they using clean blades are they giving themselves proper first aid care afterwards and um, for some young people a real way of harming is through risky sexual behaviour sleeping around, so are they using contraception are they talking to anyone about that who are they meeting up with talking to them about that kind of safe, kind of how do we how do we deal with this um, but I think also just recognising you can't fix anyone, people don't need fixing, people need, they need healing, they need journeying with people and that's what our young people want they want us to go, thank you for sharing that's really brave of you, let's go on a journey together Let's pray about this together. Let's search for God in this together. Let's seek the correct help in this together. Let's talk to your parents together. Let's have fun with your friends. Let's be in this place. Let me be that consistent adult who will always show you love and support and encouragement, but also having healthy boundaries huh. and going, I'm not going to pick up the phone at 12 o'clock at night. That's what your parents are for. Having those boundaries is also really helpful because young people crave those boundaries as well. Yeah. Why don't you say a little bit about, before I get to my question, about the backstage, front stage thing? Jemima um, Woodbridge's yes, yeah. Big up Jemima Woodbridge of Romance <laughs> Academy fame. So just this idea, I think all the statistics say that self, that mental health is growing, that more and more people are struggling with mental health. And I think in some ways that's true, but especially around self-harm, I don't think it's necessarily growing, but more people are becoming aware of it because of social media. So that's something to consider. Social media is prevalent in every single, almost that hour of a young person's life. They can't escape it. And it's not what it was when we were young people. Mm. Um, like, you know, 10 years ago, Facebook was for uni students. Now it's, you know, my 13-year-old brother is on Facebook and I was really checking. And so this adds this strange dynamic, whereas when I was growing up, the people that I was looking up to was like Marissa Cooper from the OC or like Peyton from like One Tree Hill. Yeah. So these, these shows, these people are the ones that I'm looking up to. I'm looking at these celebrities and I'm going, oh, I want to be like you. But I'm also aware that I'm never actually going to be like them mm. because they're airbrushed and they're on film and there's makeup and there's all of these things. I recognise that I can't be like that. 
But these aren't the people that our young people are looking up to now. Our young people, the ones that are influencing the most about how they look are their friends because everything is instant. Every, everything goes online. Like I see it with some of my friends, I'm just like putting everything online. People do not need to know what you had for lunch or the argument you have with your boyfriend. But these are what our young people are growing up with. And they are waking up in the morning with their gross hair, their makeup all over the faces. Our young people are growing up with this. The first thing they're doing is checking Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever it is, they're checking that. And they're looking at these pictures of their friends that are so wonderfully filtered and made up that they're just not realistic so you know i went to a concert with a friend and they took a photo they spent a long time taking this photo having their face perfectly show the right light and i'm just standing there, sitting there just grinning like an idiot and she took this photo and then spent 15 20 minutes applying different filters yeah. to this photo to the point where she then posted online and my husband sent me a text going oh who are you, who are you with last night i just didn't recognize the person in the photo um, you know, with this girl, and I was like, that, that was me, I was there, and my own husband didn't recognise me. And this is what our young people growing up with, the people that they are seeing online that are influencing how they look are almost unrecognisable, because they're spending half an hour taking the perfect photo, and then applying these filters, they're wearing crazy amounts of makeup, or they're posing, or they've got the right light so they look thinner, or, or whatever it is, these young people are seeing those and they're comparing that, those made up perfect filtered images to how they look when they wake up in the morning. And they're going, that's not attainable, but it should be attainable because they're my friends. Like that's Joey who I go to school with. I should be able to look like Joey because we go to school together. Except Joey doesn't even look like that because mm. she doesn't walk around with an Instagram filter over her face. And, and it's so difficult for young people because they're just out there going, okay, yeah, Kim Kardashian and, and these people are influencing them. But it's when their friends are the ones doing it and they just can't separate that. They can't see the fact that their friends spend just as long taking that photo as they do. Huh. Um, and I think that makes a huge impact on young people on their self-esteem and the way they respond to uh, they respond to things because like, everything's online, but their own self-worth is not what it was because they don't look like their friends do mm. on their profile picture. Yeah, and it's kind of a thing of, uh, which, uh, Jemima. Yes, Jemima, Jemima Woodbridge. Would, would say that it's um, like a front stage. Yeah. It's People it's, are trying to live like... Yes, yeah, the idea of you're comparing your backstage life there it is. to somebody else's front stage life mm. or their stage life. So, you know, if you're backstage kind of in your blacks, whatever, kind of getting ready for something, you're comparing it to, you know, Jennifer Lawrence or J-Lo or Beyonce. Like <laughs> all those references aren't great. But all young people are comparing, it's like that, except the people they're comparing to are their friends. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're waking up going, I'm in my backstage life, comparing myself to a friend in their stage life, and I don't even know that that's what I'm doing, but that's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Wow. Such, such a... Uh, not just fascinating, but just um, yeah, it's just such an eye an eye opener, and and it kind of I don't know brings this for me this urgency because we have a lot of young boys, young girls, because this isn't even just something that's you know you're speaking you know from your own uh, experience and, and and all your examples are, are like female driven, but the same thing for guys, yeah, you know, same thing for boys trying to look all tough and the footballers and the hair and everything like that. I mean, the same thing applies. Um, 
But yeah, it, it just almost brings this urgency because if they don't feel comfortable or they, they feel like you're not comfortable as a youth worker to deal with this stuff and they don't want to talk about it, I mean, uh, the urgency for prayer for them to get to a place where they feel like they're comfortable to, to open up and share mm-hmm. um, so they don't feel isolated. They don't feel alone as if they're they're on this journey on their own and so anyways any any final words um i just think i guess for me the biggest thing is don't be afraid like uh don't be afraid that you don't understand don't be afraid because you can ask questions because you can learn just listen and i think i guess just be there for your young people and don't be surprised like every you know they say it's one in ten young people but it's probably significantly higher struggle with mental health don't Mm. just assume the ones from the bad family because I came from a good family with a lot of love and I still struggled so don't don't be surprised don't be Mm. afraid don't be ashamed just listen and love I think it's the most important thing we can do yeah you just kept dropping like different statistics I feel like you got more drop some statistics on us Uh, so uh, one in four adults will struggle with mental health conditions about eight percent of adults will self-harm statistics would say 12 to 15 percent of young people self-harm that's kind of like 12 to 18 except uh, in a study which spoke to 15 year olds one in five 15 year olds say they self-harm so that's not actually 12 to 15 percent um, oh gosh, there's so many in my head. Uh, if you really want a harrowing read on statistics, Child Lines 2014 to 2015 report is called okay. Statistics, and Young Minds have got some. Oh, my nice and cheery statistics one in 10 yeah, people with eating disorders, or anorexia in particular, will die. It's the highest mortality rate of any wow. mental health condition. Wow. That's a cheery note to end well, on. Well, there it is. Well, I mean, it's, it's it doesn't have to be cheery. It has to be <laughs> the urgency, you know. I feel like we, it needs to be something where we, we start to stop trying to uh, ignore, you yep. know, and roll our sleeves up and, uh, and, and, and deal with it. So anyways, Helen, you're awesome. Hey. Really love what you're doing. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. We want to make sure that the Limitless Leadership Podcast is tackling the issues that affect you in youth ministry. So email us at info at limitlesselam.co.uk to let us know the issues you'd like us to discuss. Stay in touch with us on social media. We're at Limitless Elam on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or however you get your podcasts. See you next time.